In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet voted both best North American fake comedy cop wrestling review and fantasy booking podcast in the Wrestling Observer News Awards. We weren't actually voted that. It's That's a lie. I am your host, Detective Mark Smarks, and I am joined by my partners in crime fighting. First off, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? We, we do have a technicality there, though. Because you did admit to lie, we are the only wrestling podcast to lie about having been voted the best comedy fake cop wrestling podcast on True. PW Inside. Technicality. So, yeah. Your admission of the lie, though, does get us off on a correct... Um, we live technicalities here. Non-crime. Yeah, because we did that. Also joining us from up north, RCMP JLB. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. Hey, man. Uh, you know, nothing much. Nothing much, honestly. Um, I guess this week of wrestling was somewhat eventful. I'm uh, still just really, really excited for um, Revolution next. Is it ne- next week, I believe? So Yes. Um, yes, it's already March. So... Yeah, nothing too, too crazy, maybe aside from the Big Show news or Paul White news. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was five degrees today, so I guess I can't complain about weather in February or early March. Uh, yeah, yeah. All the way up to five five for you? That's better than it got here. Oh, really? Yeah. I, yeah, think, it was, I think it was two above here at the max, so... Wow. So I okay. think it was like 38. It'd be three above. Here in Omaha, it never got that warm. It never got to 38. It got to like 30, 33, uh, 34, 35, somewhere around there. Uh, I remember at one point I looked at my wife and she's like, how, how warm is it out? Because yesterday was f- fucking nice here. Um, and she's like, going to get up to like 50 today? And I go, um, no, high is projected to be 34. That's not <laughs> But um, before yeah, we get into uh, the whole show, I always like to remind people that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network. So once you're done listening to this show and, of course, hitting that like button or that subscribe button and sharing this with your friends, head on over to tatnusco.com. Check out the other shows on the network. But let's go ahead yeah. and get into talking crimes because I think we got a lot to talk about this week. Because uh, a lot of wild stuff happened this week. Um, and so, uh, as usual, I open this up if anyone wants to go first. Otherwise, I will take the first crime. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. I mean, it's it's not that it's not like we haven't already talked about my crime. But, uh, well, well, this is a big show for us. Okay, that's, that's all I got. I'm, I'm okay. sorry. So... Yeah. So yeah, I, I I mean we definitely want to talk uh, talk about Paul. Um, I I just kind of want to do a pros and cons on it because there is some pros. There is definitely some cons, um, including a Tony con, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just uh, just me out to pastor now, people. Jeez. <laughs> just so let's get it yeah. over with. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess my thoughts are um, obviously in terms of, of the the pros on this. Um, I I do think he has. I think he's going to lend something uh, to potential future big men um in in a training capacity but that said ugh. <laughs> like can i can i make that the entirety of that statement is just <laughs> well, i think i think the big thing to take away though is remembering that he's not signed primarily as a wrestler he's signed primarily as a commentator commentary and trainer yeah mm-hmm. with with some training in the back commentary um, for their new second uh, version of Dark, but it's technically going to be Monday, so it's going to be the first Dark of the week, Dark Elevation, which is a weird name. But another YouTube show uh, spinning up. It makes sense. AEW Dark has been on over two hours the past like three months, right? So splitting that up into two separate one-hour shows makes a lot more sense. Um, is that what you're doing? It's going to be two one-hour shows now. I don't know if they're going to keep I, I it's the thing with the YouTube shows they don't have like a time limit so I would imagine that they're not going to shoot that much more actual footage on Dynamite Night I I can't imagine they have that much room to shoot that much more footage you know what I mean Un- unless they start doing two tapings a week I just don't see them having room for it so what I would imagine is they they basically split it up into two nights, but they might start adding some backstage footage or, or vignettes, or as you would say, vignettes. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Um, into it. But I, I'm going to maintain uh, cautious optimism because he is relatively good on the mic, and Taz has proved to be wonderful on the commentary. So having another uh, another commentary person voice makes a lot of sense to me. He will occasionally get into the ring, but I imagine it'll be occasionally just like Tully Blanchard's getting into the ring, you know, with FTR here coming up, sort of a thing. Um, it's not going to be a regular occurrence, I would doubt. But who knows? There's also a piece to this puzzle that, that at, at least in terms of crimes... How is it that Vince has all these people under Legends contracts or under under expiring I'm an old dude contracts and, and whatnot and isn't taking advantage of that in terms of, of a coach's role or um, giving us, you know, I mean, you put JL or JLB. They'll never put JLB on a commentary. <laughs> <laughs> you put JBL on commentary. You put CM Punk on commentary. You put Miz on commentary. You put Samoa Joe on commentary. Um, how, how do you not do that with a couple more shows? I mean, Joe's doing great on Friday, and Joe can still actively wrestle. Like, he, I feel like Joe can still go, but you could imagine how much stronger, say, WWE backstage would have been had it not just been Booker and Renee, had it been. Callaway had been Stone. I mean, I log in to watch Stone Cold interview people. Interview people, and it's not Stone Cold. It's Steve Williams. Like I know that that's the same human being, but the character that's interviewing people is Steve Williams. 
And so, I don't know. I I would say for a lot of it is I think WWE doesn't truly appreciate what the legends could bring to to not even just like the backstage, the on-air stuff, but even just backstage other things. I don't think they they understand what that can bring to a locker room. You talk to uh, people from AEW, even John Moxley uh, said it in an interview uh, when they asked him about Sting being in AEW. He's like, yeah, it's had a huge effect on the locker room. I mean, it's fucking Sting. It's the icon. Yeah. Um, that, that's the sort of thing. WWE has all these legends locked up. They could have them on a regular basis mentoring people backstage in ways that would help the future of, of of their their product, but I just don't think they value it. I don't think they see the value in it. Um, in terms of, you know, Stone Cold probably wouldn't want to do uh, backstage regularly because it would probably require him to, to have to travel, and he likes doing all of his shit from his fucking ranch. And that's all I'm going to do. Um, and, of course, Mark Calloway, until he retired hadn't broken kayfabe in interviews at all yeah and it's only been sent so who knows maybe they'll bring him in at some point as a mentor role or something but and i think they're gonna have to start doing something though because i also read in a report that after the announcement of paul white there was just not just legends but there was a lot of people who um were legitimately thinking about hey maybe when my contract is up i'm gonna head on over to you know somewhere else i'm really gonna think about where i should go if a legend like paul white who's been with the company for like 20 years uh you know decides to just up and leave originally they couldn't come up to a deal um apparently on the monday that he was there on legends night and uh show was completely frustrated by that and you know just ended up bouncing so well, and i think a lot of it comes down to a lot of people don't want to be done when WWE thinks they're done. Uh, obviously, Paul felt like he has more in the tank than just signing a Legends contract and showing up five times a year to sign some autographs and make an appearance. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And and so this is part of the reason that having another major promotion or another two if you include impact or another three if you include ring of honor or, or new japan um you know having these these other major uh, federations that they could go to gives these people an option now just like sting do i expect paul white to wrestle often probably not right he might be in the best shape of his entire life right now but he's still not a spring chicken. Right. And uh, he's still seven foot tall with knees that he's put through a ringer for his entire adult life. You know, um, I'm I'm five foot seven and my knees feel like absolute shit every morning. I cannot imagine what the sounds his knees make getting out of bed. In them. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but at the same point, he still is capable of doing it occasionally here and there. He's capable of taking kids under their under his wing backstage and putting them through some motions, you know, in training and showing them how to do some stuff. And as DFA mentioned, hitting, 
hitting it off with some of the big guys there. Go going and talking to the Lance Archers or uh, the the Brian Cages, Brian Cages. or the Will Hobbs, yes. you know, and saying, "Hey, you are the big guys in AEW. Here are what you can do to be a big guy, uh, to fill out that big guy role a little bit better." So, I mean, I'm like I said, it's it's the shot heard around the world. No one saw that announcement coming. I didn't see any rumors about it happening until it did. No, yeah, um, it was it was this is signed and that's it. And um, like it, this this isn't a Lex Luger moment or a Scott Hall showing up moment sort of thing, but it's still a pretty big freaking deal uh, for AEW to to get this really big name. Um, now that being said, it also was as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, cue it, five, four, three, two, one. You could just wait and see the internet wrestling community just come up. The the AEW haters being like, ah, see, AEW is just where all the old has-beens from WWE go to die. And uh, sure enough, there have been plenty of those posts. And but... I, I feel like that's not, I'm not going to say where they go to die. But it's not entirely inaccurate either. There's there there is something to be said for AEW's role, similar to um, to WCW. Here's the problem: when you say that this is the WCW that won for 83 weeks, mm-hmm. this isn't the WCW that lost the war. You well, know, and and I always go uh, to these people to football references, and I say, listen. Tampa Bay had a chance to sign Tom Brady. Um, do you think they were worried about being seen as, oh, just this is just where old Patriots go after they retire, you know, after they're no longer good? No, they had a chance to sign Tom Brady. And so they did. Tom Brady said, hey, I've got my friend Rob Gronkowski. You should sign him too. Uh, did Tampa Bay go, oh, nope, we've already signed one former Patriot. We don't want to sign two because that'll be too many. No, they put pen to paper and signed Rob Gronkowski. Do you know what it led them to doing? Winning the fucking Super Bowl the very first year, right? Um, yeah. if, and no, I'm not saying Big Show is Tom Brady level. Um, he might not even be Rob Gronkowski level. But if you are a promotion <laughs> and you have a chance to sign a guy that you think has a lot of skills, a lot of value. You do it. You don't stop and think, oh, what is this going to say about us? Are they going to think that we're just just signing old WWE talent? No. You sign them. Period. Well, I mean, it's like signing Bill Parcells to a uh, uh, a consultant contract for your head coach. So, you know, well, yeah. Parcells is, is a historical dream he's 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 done it all not well i know he gets a lot more credit than he deserves but it's still bill freaking parcells and he's not shows not coming in being the dominant heel he's not coming in being he won't even be the dominant commentator he just wants to play a role exactly it's it's like brett Favre after he retired coming back to play for uh, minnesota right um, it, it, there are dozens of football references of a person who had a lot of success with one team, maybe not even one that won the Super Bowl with that team, 
but had a lot of success with one team. That team decided that it didn't fit their scheme anymore, and they go and find another team and sometimes have success and sometimes don't. But in the end, you don't dog a football team for signing a free agent that that they think has value just because they used to play for another team. You understand that as a promotion, AEW is going to sign any wrestler they think will give them an advantage. And if that wrestler happens to be former WWE talent, all the better. That brings some exposure with um Mind you, they're also going to assign this star that they think brings them an advantage in a Wednesday night war. That's that's the thing that WWE seems to forget is that they have another product line where they can use these guys to train teach guide up and comers. What? Yeah, you guys have an up and comer program. In fact, not only do you have that, you also have Evolve. Which which the reports have come out this week that they are working on and and hovering around a, a second show, a second NXT show that would be NXT Evolve. That would that that's the brand name that they're planning for it. That would be basically Evolve. So a a show for the development league for their development league, <laughs> which is that's some Inception level shit going on there. Yeah, uh, that's uh, weird. But I guess now they're gonna maybe want to compete. Would they do it on Mondays now? Essentially, that, well, they they can't do it on Mondays because they don't want to compete directly with Raw. Uh, they they so they could do it on Tuesdays. They could do it on Thursdays. They could do it as a network special that airs after. I say network special as a Peacock special that airs immediately following NXT. So watch NXT however you watch it on TV, and then turn on Peacock to watch. NXT Evolve or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's, We don't have that details. I guess it would be the same thing, but it would give people a little bit more diversity because then you watch NXT and NXT again. You're going to see, you know, somewhat of the same uh, kind of guys from the NXT brand. So that's why I was thinking of more competing it after uh, Raw. Uh, sort of. Well, so you do I, get that difference. I doubt they're going to want to put it on at you know, 11 p.m., you know, or what, a 10 p.m. when everyone wants to go to bed Monday night. So um, that's why Tuesdays or Thursdays are more likely. But it, here's what this is going to play into just a minor gripe. It's not actually one of my um, crimes at all, but this kind of plays into it. it. Just like, fuck, did we really need more hours of wrestling in the week? I mean, I love wrestling as much as the next person, but adding in another NXT Evolve show, adding in uh, whatever the new um, setup for the AEW Dark Evolution, uh, whatever it's called, Dark Elevation. That's Elevation. Uh, Evolution. I was like, that's not right. Elevation. That's history. Right. I mean, it's just like, like Jesus, we, we already watch wrestling three to four, sometimes five nights out of the week. Are we ever going to have a night off? My wife is going to kill me if I start coming down and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, Thursdays are wrestling as well. No, and, and that's it. And I don't think they expect you, right? They expect you to kind of choose. What I think what I think would be best is if they started putting them on Saturday mornings. <laughs> yeah. Like the old days. Old, old and you got the yeah. 
yeah, but then you got the kiddos. You're going to want to watch something, so you're not going to be able to watch it. And da, 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 da. I was one of the kiddos that wanted to watch the wrestling. I think that's a great Saturday morning thing. First of all, Saturday morning cartoons don't even exist anymore. Whatever yeah. that fucking shit they put on Saturday mornings, that's not cartoon. Uh, and hold on for a second while I yell at the kids to get off my lawn because I'm old. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's just there's a whole lot of wrestling going on now, and it's kind of mind-boggling how many days we're gonna have to watch wrestling. But, yeah, I honestly just go to recaps because it's just too much. I can't anymore. That's too much wrestling. I'm good with just SmackDown, Raw, AE Dubs. You know, like I'm good. That's it, and then a pay-per-view, and then maybe. Uh, that's it. And maybe a network special I'll watch or something, because their network specials are pretty decent. But from all the TV products to some of the WWE Network stuff, that's pretty decent. There's no way. You won't be able to catch up on anything else aside from just wrestling. <laughs> it just makes me think of that scene in The Jerk, where he's like, I don't need anything. I don't need you. I don't need money. I don't. Oh, but I need this lamp. No, I, I don't need anything. I just need AEW and NXT. That's all I need. AEW and NXT. Oh, but I need Dark. So AEW, NXT, and Dark. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. I don't need, but I, oh, but I need Raw. I definitely need Raw. So AEW, Dark, NXT, and Raw. That's all I need. Oh, but there's a pay-per-view, so. <laughs> you know how they have so many game shows now? They, I think they're coming out with another talent type of game show, and they just keep coming out with various things, right? With uh, the Mask Singer, and then uh, now they have some other Mask Dancer one, and then they're coming out with another. Like, just America's Got Talent, and then they went batshit crazy and just got a whole bunch of other talent shows from that, and there you have it. And they kind of are doing the same thing with wrestling, or wrestling's going around that same route, because not only are you, okay, what if you do like The Masked Singer? What if you like America's Got Talent? What if you like Dancing with the Stars? And then you like The Masked Dancer, and then you watch the Go Big Show, and then, you know, like all of these talent shows that are just coming out, boom, 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 wrestling is doing the exact same thing, and you just get overwhelmed. You're going to have to make a decision on what you want to directly follow and keep up that's with. What, and the that's why I think Saturday mornings is a great time for these new shows. Put them on Saturday morning so it's just like <laughs> just like the old school Saturday morning wrestling. Anyway, but we got sidetracked. We were talking about Paul White and how he uh, can be a good thing for AEW, question mark. Yeah, yeah, I think he can both be a good and not so good thing. I think when he comes in to wrestle, that that's going to be what tells us the most about Paul Wright. Well, and I look with that, I just don't think it's a good thing. It's nothing but a good thing. It's notoriety, like you had mentioned, and um, you know, the guy's going to be an announcer. The guy's going to be a positive vibe for the people in the back. He's going to do a lot of good things there. Like you said, with Lance Archer training the bigger guys, this is nothing to go wrong. We're going to, we're going to see him like how they would use Sting. We're definitely going to see him something with Shaq at Revolution. There's going to be a whole thing there. Either going to be, he's going to be on the same show as Shaq as well uh, on the Monday one. So we'll see him. It's just, he's not going to be like your main feature. We don't need Paul White as your main feature going for any title. That's not happening. I think that's what some people are thinking. Oh, but they're just taking WWE old stars. Like, yeah, but they're using them right. 
You know, what's the point of being any on any kind of contract when all you have them there is just to do WWE Network stuff or, you know, a random Legends night every year or something like, you know, it must be horrible for them. Like it must be so lackluster, especially those who aren't considered retired. Like I have retired from the business. I still want to continue doing certain things, you know, so. Yeah, I, I got into it with a, a fan on a Facebook group who was all getting after AEW because they he was like, I don't want to keep tuning in and seeing 60 year olds wrestle and all of this stuff. And I go, um, so so I assume you don't turn on Raw every year twice or three times a year when they decide to do a Legends Night, right? <laughs> you just say, oh, nope, it's just going to be old people. I'm not even going to bother watching. <laughs> no, you turn on, because here's the deal. The guy's like, nostalgia doesn't sell. I'm like, nostalgia most certainly does sell. Um, the best ratings Raw has had over the last year have been on Nostalgia Nights, period. Yeah. Um, and and he was getting after Sting wrestling, and I said he was like, I don't, you know, he can't wrestle, uh, and all he gets to go. Well, first of all, uh, whether he can wrestle or not is entirely up to his doctor. Obviously, his doctor has cleared him to wrestle. Obviously, um, he feels like he can wrestle, can take bumps. Um, yeah, at least he can take a power bomb from Brian Cage, you know. Yeah. Do, do I feel 100% comfortable watching a 61-year-old man take a powerbomb from Brian Cage? No, I don't. Um, but here's here's what I wanted to point out. This is, I pointed out something else. Because um, so, someone made the comment about Ric Flair. And he's like, well, Rick, it's not the same thing. Ric Flair's not wrestling right now. And I go, well, uh, it is the same thing because Ric Flair's 72 right now. So let's look back 10 years ago because... Sting 61. So 10 years ago, uh, 2011, Ric Flair, Flair wrestled death match with with uh, yeah. Yeah. with a guy 10 years younger than him who was still too old to be in the ring. Yeah, he had four matches in TNA in 2011 and eight the year before, right? So in the course of his 61st and 62nd year on this planet, he wrestled 12 times. Effectively again, one once of them a month. was a death match. And so <laughs> So, and I don't remember hearing many people say back then that, oh, 61-year-olds shouldn't wrestle. Probably because it was Ric Flair and, and he's the goat in most people's eyes. But but here's the deal is, it, obviously, Ric Flair could do it 10 years ago. Sting believes he can do it. His doctor thinks he can do it. Reports have it that Tony Khan is doing everything in his power to make it as absolutely safe as possible for Sting, including what we didn't see is Sting was wearing under his his shirt a back brace, a special back brace. So when he took that bump, it would be as safe on his back as possible. You know, he obviously can do it. And the person's like, well, I don't just want to go. Well, that's a different argument. See, this whole discussion was whether he can do it. And obviously he can whether he should do it is another argument. We can talk about that. But really what you're trying to say is he shouldn't do it because I don't like it. And and that's not the the discussion that we want to have. You know, here's the deal. You don't like it. That's great. Take a bathroom break during the the cinematic backyard brawl at at Revolution, right? Because every pay-per-view is going to have at least one match that someone doesn't like, right? That's the time to go to a bathroom break. Oh, and it's going to be a cinematic match? We're pretty sure it's cinematic. We don't know for certain, but 
I think the only reason they booked it as a as a backlot brawl sort of a thing is so they could film it in advance and make it as absolutely safe as possible. Um, okay. It might not be. And we're just making assumptions. Uh, I want to go on record. Yeah. Not every pay per view has a match that you don't like. I don't know if you saw NXT <laughs> Vengeance uh, Day. I, I said that someone doesn't like. It. I didn't oh. say I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, mm. here's the deal. Uh, when you're talking about a pay-per-view that's going to be the length Revolution probably is, having a bathroom break match isn't the worst thing in the world, right? Um, now, fortunately, we live in an era of DVRs where you can pause stuff now. But I'm going to take DA Fabe and I back and, and maybe JLB back a little bit to, you know, mid to late 90s watching a pay-per-view, right? You had to have some time that you could run because there was no pausing that shit. No, nope. yeah, it's promo. Unless you just uh, recorded on VHS and you watch what you forgot to watch before, but then that's just a bitch because you have to rewind and fast forward and ugh. So yeah, it was hell. You couldn't you couldn't be recording while you watched. No, definitely not. So at that point, if you missed something, you had to wait until there was a time that you could watch it, but you would miss something when watching it. So you basically had to wait until afterwards to rewatch. Ugh, what a horrible time that was. Yet it was the greatest time of my life. Interesting uh, how that works. And, oh, so, but that that's my point is, listen, if you don't like it, you know, whatever. Like what you like, dislike what you don't, and move on with your life. But uh, but to, he was just absolutely berating other people on this, on this Facebook post because they were excited for the cinematic match. And he's like, this is dumb. I also took some time in that to point out that um, from what I've seen, I haven't looked at the ratings for every every week, but almost every week the the Sting moments have been spikes in viewership on AEW, right? So obviously viewers are enjoying watching Sting be back. Um, it's working out for AEW in terms of viewership overall. Um, so why not do it? You know, if you don't like it, I guess find something else to watch for a while. You know, I mean, it's not like you do a podcast on it and have to watch things like Hell in a Cell 19 or 2019. <laughs> uh, no, and I, I, I rewatched it just because it was so much fun. And so people aren't like, but I, I don't get it when exactly like you were mentioning that when people do these legends nights and so on, people aren't bitching at all. People aren't saying, oh, okay, but, you know, they're saying maybe it's once in a... I don't know. Well, people are just going to bitch to bit. So, in reality, that you know it's not a full-time basis in terms of wrestling. You know he's doing other things. So, I don't know why people are having a problem. People are just bitching to bitch just because it's the internet. And, hey, I have a critical voice, and here I'm going to use it. And, and yeah. frankly, we're the ones with the podcast that are supposed to bitch about things. So, leave the bitching to us. Jeez. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and move oh, on. So now, now you're making it about career protection. <laughs> yes, this is gimmick infringement, is what it is. Um, so JLB, <laughs> do you want to go second, or you want to save yourself for last? Um, self didn't save himself. So no, I'll go. But mine's kind of late. I had thought of another one, but now it just—I really got to just start writing things down. I started using paper and pen again for making notes, and. Uh, for some reason, uh, I didn't put that down. But uh, yeah, old school style of pen and paper. Maybe you should make a note to make notes about things for wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's very valid. Um, what I was going to say, though, 
is um, I'm just pretty much like I don't know. There's not really a whole lot of negative aside from the Randy Orton scenario that I am. Um, the black stuff to me was stupid. I think I mentioned something on um, on FBI about it, just being really annoyed and over this whole scenario. <sighs> I, I don't know what to think anymore. Like, why she cursed you and she that voodoo thing did work and now you're suddenly just, every time you think of her or Alexa or think of the fiend, you're spewing black stuff. Like, I'm done. I, it was so stupid when he was doing the interview and then that just happened. I'm like, you know, this is borderline getting just as bad as the Ric Flair uh, Ric Flair, uh, Lacey Evans feud. Uh, Ric Flair, Lacey Evans, Charlotte feud. Um, and you just need to bring out the fiend already, and that's it. Because it just gets stupid, more stupid, and more stupid as the time goes on. From the no burns to Randy's face anymore, to the blood puke, uh, the black goo puking out of his mouth. I am done with the whole ordeal, so I am charging WWE for lackluster writing or the writers never to be for lackluster storytelling here and just to not know when to just nip it in the bud is it nip i think we've had this conversation before you uh, actually got it right nip, nip it, it in, in the, the bud but bud. bud yeah so nip it in the bud and then that's it call it a day get the fiend out let him do something because uh, it's just silly um entirely so total charge on them for just not being creative anymore it's always the same thing it's either alexa coming out doing something crazy randy orton saying oh you're in my head da, da, da. i'm crazy that's why i burnt you we've went through hell and back and then something stupid happens and then it's just same thing over and over and over and over and i don't know why you just don't waste i guess you got to waste time for media until that match is actually announced and happens but do something more enlightening get some of i don't know the fiend's followers to come after you or something i'm tired of you trying to do this mythical voodoo hex that's been put on randy now um yeah so i'm just completely over it and if they keep prolonging it for that much longer i don't think i'm gonna care about this feud at all anymore all right so smarks do you want to go prosecution um or defense on this because i can go either way um you know what surprised me i'm gonna go with defense on this and i'm gonna defend them a little bit here so first and foremost go watch a simon miller podcast but <laughs> just once learn to be a little bit grateful about storylines that don't sprint to the end Man, you you harped on this Orton thing over and over and over and over and over again. I get it. It's only been since Survivor Series, man. Like, we don't have to have The Fiend back for a full year. And we can have Alexa do weird shit. I'm okay with it. Number two, and more importantly... Um, but be positive is what I'm telling you with the, the Simon Miller thing. Um, but number two, um, the, I, I, it's not bad. It, I, there has to be something different than what was missing. I'm going to start over. What was missing in the mid 20 teens and early 20 teens 
and even during the CM Punk era of, of WWE, was there weren't characters. I understand that The Rock and Stone Cold and all those things, all those guys were just amped up versions of themselves. I understand HBK was just an amped up version of himself. I understand Bret Hart's um, uh, quiet assassin character, the, the, the hitman, was an amped up version of the he's a quiet guy of, of himself. But for every one of those guys, you have to have a Doink the Clown. You have to have a Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. You have to have an Undertaker. I'm not, these aren't just, these aren't just those versions of those characters. There's also Undertaker or a Kane or a Mankind. Um, Once you get big enough, you can get out of it. Or you can choose to stay in it. I am, I feel so blessed that WWE is writing a long storyline and you're going, get me to the end of it. Man, if if you watched the second Avengers movie and then went back and watched Iron Man, you would have no fucking clue what happened in the middle. Let him write the story. Now, that said, prosecution side of it, uh, yeah, that's kind of stupid having him vomit black blood. <laughs> right. That particular line was stupid. But I know you want him back, and I get it. I don't want him back any sooner than he needs to be back. I really don't. No. Well, I mean, and I and I think it's just more to because I don't have faith in WWE doing it right. You know what I mean? It's going to be no, if they are they're absolutely going <laughs> to so, and, and that's the problem though because they either they continue on a storyline for far too like I guess they did it right with Sasha and um I mean, Bailey. Bailey. Yeah, that that and how many of us wanted that to happen a lot sooner than it did? I, I think if it still happened a lot sooner, it still might have had the same effect. We, it, they still just twist. I don't know. I, I genuinely was irritated with with Bailey, a person who I didn't care about before that. I was like, she got rid of the Bailey buddies, and I'm mad right now. And then it was Sasha and her for another year. <laughs> yeah, like it took forever. Like, I was just like, she makes a shitty heel. She makes a shitty heel. She makes a shitty heel. And by the end of it, I was like, she makes a shitty heel, but she's really good at it. Wait, what? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. But that's really how most people, I think, felt at the end of that. I think with this storyline, I think getting... So many people wanted The Fiend to be the unbeatable. I don't want him to be unbeatable. I want him to be a nuisance all the time. In a fair match, he doesn't have to be unbeatable. That's the key. He doesn't do fair matches either. He's not good. He's not bad. He's a nightmare. He's just a freaking nightmare. So he can disappear for a little bit. And he can come back for a little bit. And he can disappear for a little bit. And he can take a female form, apparently. <laughs> so I, I guess so. I don't hate it that much. I just don't hate it that much. Yes, I get where you're coming from. There's going to be stupid segments. Mark Calloway rolled his eyes in the back of his head and said, rest in peace. It was stupid. It worked, but it was stupid. So so purely because I'm hired to be part of the prosecution, not because I believe in it or anything, because um, I actually enjoy the Alexa Bliss moment, but as... Um, as a a prosecutor on this, even though I'm a detective, I don't know why I'm sitting in for a prosecution. Um, I I do I have to go in for defense. Sorry, yeah. I I do have to point out 
that um, on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, awards for last year, um, which, keep in mind, are voted on by the fans, not by, you know, by Dave Meltzer or anything. The uh, most overrated, a.k.a. overpushed wrestler in all of professional wrestling is Bray Wyatt. The worst gimmick in all of professional wrestling is The Fiend. The worst feud of the year was Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman, followed by Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton as the runner-up. The worst match of the year was Braun Strowman versus The Fiend at the Horror Show, followed up by Goldberg versus The Fiend at Super Showdown. <laughs> Damn. So those, uh, I will uh, label all of those exhibits A, B, C, D, and E, and F. I believe there was five of them. And then rest my case. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm just going to go Voted on by people who pay Dave Meltzer for his opinion. I'm sorry, I'm out. <laughs> and I'm not going to go that far to say that The Fiend is the most overrated gimmick. Uh, the Fiend has had the worst matches of this year. I'm not going to say any of those things. I like The Fiend's character. The Fiend being there is not my issue. If anything, The Fiend not being there is my issue. Yeah. And um, I love the Alexa. Now, don't get me wrong, too. I love the Alexa Bliss stuff. I find it great. I think it works for her. I think she does it perfectly. Her as a female fiend, I honestly don't know if they could have actually given it to anyone else. Alexa does it perfectly. But at the same time, you're not technically advancing anything because you're doing the same lackluster things. And to me, it showed them a lack of creativity, whether it was the WWE writers or Bray himself who decided on the black goo, uh, goo coming out of Randy Orton got me to be like, well, I don't know if I really want to see what else you're going to do with this anymore. How about you just bring the fiend out now and we start just really starting promoting with you guys for WrestleMania when you're both there. And So they fucked up a brave reset at one point. Because they, number one, they, they fucked up the Fiend. The initial response to the Fiend was phenomenal. And then they had the Hell in the Cell match. By WrestleMania, they had done a reset that was so good that it was also widely recognized as one of the best, at least on this podcast, the best cinematic match we'd ever seen. And that was John Cena versus Bray. Right? Mm-hmm. So they had the reset. And what did they do? They had Goldberg beat Bray. <laughs> they had a 56-year-old man beat a, a another world person. The The problem with Bray is, he, is they can't make it about the title. And I think maybe they've learned that. Hence, this reset gives them time to let him come back. Burning him alive, as dumb as it was, lets it be a reset for him. Undertaker had the same reset. And it was bad. It was a very bad reset. And I'm not talking um, the... the. No, I'm not talking American Badass. I'm talking him losing to Yokozuna and then coming up on the screen and saying, I will not rest in peace. And then then bringing him back as uh, Ted DiBiase's Undertaker versus Paul Bearer's Undertaker. That was a bad, bad reset. 
but it was a needed reset. And so I think there's, I think there's value to this. And if we give it enough time, I think we're all going to be very pleased at the end of it. But well, not all, because again, in this world, oh. there are two, two people or two types of people, the wrestlers and the bookers who actually do the work oh, and yes. the fans who endlessly nitpick. So, um, and look, and I hope you're picking. right. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so too, because there's only so, so many times you can reset a guy. And that's the downside. And I'm just glad he was able to come off of everything that has happened with him losing to Goldberg. You know, that is something they certainly shouldn't have done. I get it, it was for the world title, but even then, that makes it even worse. You have this guy who's cryptic, and then he gets beaten by, you know, Goldberg, a 56-year-old man uh, who was a legend and great back in the day, whatever have you. Uh, some might still argue that, but, you know, it's just... Goldberg kind of- doesn't have a spot in professional wrestling. I don't think it's for the... I think... I like him for the WWE title, losing. Uh, I'm going to come back and be a badass, though. I guess I'm not as bad as I think I am. I'm going to come back and be a badass. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm not as bad as I think I am. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Like I said, I was just playing witness for the prosecution because I had to. But in in reality, I'm, I am I don't have a problem with this, really. Well, and uh, really, I guess maybe the only... That's why I couldn't really think of much crimes for this week. Because it wasn't a lot of bad necessarily well i mean if we want to count this whole ordeal with the alpha i forgot what they're called the american alphas no uh the what do you call them gable and uh otis i don't know gable and otis we'll just go with that i like that name i mean american alpha was gable's old tag team so godis it's like alpha muscle or uh, something Alpha Academy. Alpha Academy. Alpha Academy. That's what it is. You're right. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's I get this is maybe something too. We'll have to wait and see. Otis being healed. It's cool. Something different. It is just a start. I'm gonna wait. I just feel like I've seen enough of WWE trying to prolong things and try and tell a story, and it not fall through. Great, you know. And the Lana Lashley thing, the Rusev, when even Rusev was there as well. They they have thoughts and opinions, and whether it's then they just don't know what to do with it anymore, or Vince decides to just scrap it, you know, they uh, they end up messing it up. They're not able to tell longevity storylines like they did back in the day. So yeah, that's no, kind I, of my... And I 100% see where you're coming from with that. And WWE has given us no reason to believe that they... Uh, can do it, but oh, overall, I just I kind of prefer to try to be optimistic about this and say, so far they've been doing it well enough that I'm going to assume that they're going to do it better in the long run. Um, that being said, I've been burned many times before by WWE, so wouldn't surprise me if that happens again this time. Yeah, the only time will tell, and I imagine it's going to be before Mickey. We're definitely going to get yeah. a Randy versus Fiend Mania, so that's like almost certain. So something's got to happen soon. Well, they still have a month, right? When's their next pay per view? Technically, they've got March. Fastlane and then and then Mania. We've got was it like the twenty second is Fastlane? Oh wow, something like that. And then WrestleMania is like April thirteenth or something. I think it's uh, I don't know. I'll have to look. Three weeks for each, I think. Three weeks followed by three weeks. But yeah, well, I mean, we'll see in the long run on this. I'm just choosing to give them the benefit of the doubt right now, even though um, they've 
destroyed me many a times when I've done that. They're kind of like the abusive relationship that you keep coming back to because I see good in them, I swear. Hey, shut up. I'm talking about my divorce, man. (laughs) (laughs) But we will move on now to my crime. Because my crime is multifaceted. Um, As it used to be. As it usually is, yeah. I'm, I'm... <laughs> so, um, my crime is on AEW for making just really silly decisions, just absolutely mind-bogglingly weird decisions, and and I don't get them. Um, the first one, but it's the minor one in this. Um, the bigger one's gonna come uh, towards the end, but the minor silly decision is. After all this hoopla over AEW games, the first game that they actually release is is a casino game with almost yeah. no AEW connection whatsoever in it. Aside from the aside from the like holding yeah. yeah, it's like like and I'm gonna point out, I've got the slot machines going on my phone right now. Uh, in fact, I just hit um, a super win and just won. Five thousand nine hundred and twenty credits. Fake dollars. Fake dollars. Um, but but it the the slot machine I'm playing is called Wild Punches and it's UFC based. This would it, like this is this is no brainer shit. Reskin this shit. Call it Wild Punches and put John Moxley instead of this weird UFC fighter in the corner. You know what I mean? Uh. All of the there's there's an Alice in Wonderland slot machine. What the fuck does that have to do with AEW? Absolutely nothing. Um, and that's why it's it's just so puzzling that that's what they chose to put out for their first first game. It it's not that they chose to do a casino game because I get it. I get it from lots of standpoints. This is a chance for them to make a bunch of money, right? Simply, this is a cash grab by AEW. Put out this game people play it they buy credits and all that stuff apparently down the road you're gonna start seeing um tournaments on here where you can win aew prizes so i get it from a marketing standpoint but why why would you release it without it being fully 100 aew themed it just blows my mind but again that's the minor one of this because the 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 bigger one, the main one of this, is the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament, and the way they had it set set up is just fucking daft, is what it is. Out of all of the matches, keep in mind it was 16 women to start off with. Out of all of the matches, eight matches, then four matches, and then two matches, and then one final. Two of them have been on Dynamite. All of the rest have been on YouTube in a weird time that people aren't used to watching watching it. Um, Or Bleacher which nobody turns to watch AEW time anyways. How do you expect this to be a hit? How do you expect this to get more viewers to watching your women's wrestling that you're trying to show off? Look how improved it is over over a year ago, over two years ago, whatever. How do you expect that to do it when literally only a tenth of your audience is even going to see it? And that's assuming they take the time out of their day to specifically look up what time is the AEW women's Japanese bracket going to be on this Monday afternoon. Yeah. 
starting at the same time that Raw is starting? Yeah, I'm going to skip Raw to watch these wrestlers I don't know. <laughs> it just blows my mind. Like, AEW has done so many things right over the year, and then they just come, and th this is something that just, they fucking, they just dropped it. It's, this was a potential touchdown pass that they just let slip through their fingers, because I watched it, because I'm a nerd like that. And and the, the Japanese women put on some phenomenal fucking matches that really could help show that AEW women's division is not as bad as people like to think it is, but no one watched them. Right. Yeah, so, I don't... Oh, my mind. Okay, oh. you ready? Remember earlier when I said uh, WCW circa 1996? Yeah, well, a Blaze should just show up and drop the title in the garbage can for him. And then never wrestle. And then never wrestle, because that's exactly what they're doing with women's wrestling right now. They're not allowing it to be around. I don't I care if it's there. Me. I don't care if you can see it at the house shows in 1996, and I don't care if you can if you can see it. Um, Monday well, nights on YouTube. Yeah, Monday nights on YouTube. You're not featuring it. If you're not featuring it, it doesn't matter to you. If it doesn't matter to you, why would it matter to your fans? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so this is where uh, Da Fabe and I had a conversation a week or so ago about. Uh, AEW women's wrestling and I don't know if it was on our podcast or if it was just a conversation we had between each other um, about whether the second AEW show should be all women's wrestling and I was torn on it for a lot of reasons um, but I was thinking today that what AEW needs to do is they need to have Nyla Rose um, and Britt Baker come out on Wednesday not this week, because this is the go home to revolution, right? Next week, come out on Dynamite and just say, listen, we are tired of not being featured on this show. Next week, AEW Dynamite, no men allowed. And do an entire episode of Dynamite, just women's wrestling, to showcase. I, I can't see any other way for them to, to get this... The problem is, right now, will their fans show up for the product that they don't know anything about? I think the, the only way to set that up is you have to have three or four weeks where you do really good women's matches and then say, we're going to be nothing but women's wrestling this week. Yeah, you kind of got to build up your four horsewoman, if you will, so that people have faces for the a women's AEW brand to really want to watch a full-on women's wrestling show because right now i mean i think what they're doing with uh abaddon uh abragon or what is it abaddon abaddon i think what they're doing with abaddon is nice i think if we it gets people to remember her uh she does you know different things she's a very demonic character people remember her people remember nyla rose uh people remember but they remember those two more so than they might remember the woman's champion. Because I feel like although she's a phenomenal wrestler, she is also she doesn't necessarily have a character. And so that's why people aren't kind of hung on to her and or the matches that's like her and Abaddon's whole thing was I thought really well done. Well, I but think that, I think when it comes to Hikaru Shida, um, and we even mentioned it with Nyla Rose, uh, Vicky Guerrero does not help Nyla Rose. She doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. Nyla Rose already is good enough on the mic. She doesn't need a spokesperson. Hikaru Shida, on the other hand, 
it's no fault of her own that her English is not great, right? And so when she tries to deliver a promo, it comes off stilted. Uh, giving her a mouthpiece wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You couldn't do Vicky Guerrero necessarily because Vicky's too much of a heel mouthpiece. You would have to find someone, you know, sign sign a legend of some sorts. Sign a Medusa, uh, Alundra Blaze for the old schoolers. Uh, you know, and, and have her come out and be the voice of the, you know, the women's champion. I think that would help Hikaru Shida a lot if she had something to add to. But, but you know, Britt Baker's uh, showing up. Nyla Rose is, is showing up. Uh, Thunder Rosa, even though she's not officially signed to AEW as far as we know, she's still turned into a very um, prominent face of AEW right now. So keeping her around. Penelope Ford has been very prominent, even though it's not been specifically wrestling related. So having her show some more, but they've got some really good talent. Lay- Layla Hirsch is phenomenal. Um, they've, they've had a lot of women talent come through and wrestle on dark that I don't know if they're signed yet or not, but definitely were good enough to potentially be signed. They've got the talent. They just need to, to showcase it. And, and the problem is they just do one match at most every dynamite that's women and then they fill up the rest with men and almost almost what they need to do is is have nyla rose beat darby allen for the tnt title uh so that it can be the unisex title the pansexual title (laughs) not not specifically a men's champion or a women's champion but just whoever and that could be kind of fun i don't know I'm spitballing. Or, you know, just call it the TNT title. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm saying from the standpoint of it not being tied to one sex, one gender. Um, I wouldn't change the name of it. I'm not, I'm just saying that it would be a pansexual title because it would be something that either gender could go after. Any gender. Anyways, that's, that's just my, my thing is, you know, we've got these talented women and, and I know some of the ones that I'm really excited for, like Hikaru Shida, uh, are injured right now. Some of the women who ha- had done really good going into last year had to go back to Japan for uh, coronavirus for COVID and can't come back. But they've got a lot of other talent that they could have gone to. And I just think that, you know, they have this tournament and then they just don't showcase it at all. And it just blows my mind. It's just, it's just the dumbest of moves, you know? Yeah. So that's that's my crime there is like like I haven't even got a chance to watch all of the Bleacher Report special that was tonight because it wasn't a pay-per-view. It was just an hour long. Um, a lot of people aren't going to take that time out of their Sunday night to watch just one hour of wrestling if it's not a pay-per-view level sort of a thing. So why didn't why didn't they just make this a pay-per-view? Have this be their their finale for the tournament. Instead of three matches, put eight matches, including the the final, and it'd be their version of Evolution. Makes Mm. a lot of sense to me. But nope, we got to tune in on Monday on YouTube to watch Nyla Rose versus Thunder Rosa, I believe, and then figure out when the the final is going to go. I think it's at Revolution. And anyways, that's that's my crime. 
it just boggles me how they've made so many good decisions and then they just make these absolutely just, just head up their ass decisions for for this week you know um the casino game just bugs me because it's such a stupid little thing that it's just graphics and they just seemed like they rushed it out the door they were like oh we have to get it out today so forget putting all the graphics on it let's send it out with all i mean i bet you i bet you if you looked at the developer of that game uh on the app store i bet you could find almost that exact game without the AEW. for sure there's so many games like that out there um and yeah i don't know it's definitely just a, a cash grab there like you did mention uh obviously the main focus is the gm game uh that aubrey is really working with that seems to be like more where they're spending more of the time and obviously the console game which on the 2.0 show they legit just showed that they were making the sound like i get it we're probably only going to see this game in 2022 uh, they're saying first quarter for the console that takes a lot more time to make uh so that's really where they're spending the time and they're just trying to and the gm mode for the mobile fans because a lot of fans seem to like the, those kind of games so that's where they're spending the time the casino one was just saying hey listen i mean hey i bought it and i bought it i i downloaded it anyways not much of a gambler but you know whatever out of support and that's what they were just kind of looking for how many people are going to buy this game or whatever download this game to at least give us a little something something you know and i bet you a lot of wrestling fans who don't gamble did and that's the deal is again i 100 percent understand the reason they put out this game just why did they rush it to market before they had a chance to reskin everything. Even one of the reviews on the Google Play Store right now is, I'd like to call it a reskin of an existing casino app, but they didn't even reskin it. <coughs> it just has an AEW loading screen and icon, and that's it. This is a scary and very disappointing start to AEW games. My feedback would be to at least have wrestling avatars or, or slots, maybe refs or wrestlers as the dealers. Something even remotely having to do with your company. And that's it, you know? I, I mentioned the slot machines didn't have any AEW theme. But yeah, how, how simple would it have been to have for the dealer for Blackjack, it be it, it be uh, uh, Referee Rick, you know? Um, or Aubrey, yeah. you know? Or Imagine naming the roulette table after Joey Janela. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or... <laughs> Or, or, or heck, when you choose your avatar, when you choose your face, why not have wrestler faces that you could choose and modify? You know what I mean? It just, sure. they did so little work to this that that's why it's, it's frustrating, right? I understand. I 100% get why they want to do this game. You know, this, this is all about branding. It's the same reason that WWE has that game. I don't even remember what it's called. WWE Champions, maybe. That's, yeah. that's a match three puzzle game. Yeah, like but a, at bejeweled. least they're still wrestling. It's bejeweled mixed with actual, but, you can pick a wrestling character. But it's if got, there's a wrestling. Yeah, it's got actual wrestling connection to it. Yes, that's 100%. But the reason they have it is the same reason AEW has this. is Hey, let's put out this game that we can try to earn some extra scratch on the side from. That's the same reason AEW has this. The difference is WWE went through the work and said, hey, Let's actually put fucking wrestlers in this wrestling-based game. Yeah, how cool would it be if, if your dealer deals you, a, 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 I don't know, a bad hand, 
and Moxley comes flying across the table and beats the crap out of him. Or, or heck, you talking about hands cards, right? There are face cards in in a deck. Why not reskin those face cards to have AEW wrestlers in it, right? I like that. You know, the king could be current champion Kenny Omega. Queen could be current champion Hikaru Shida. And then when they change, you release updates to it that change the faces, you know, to whoever the current champions are. I mean, these are all little things. They they take a little bit of time, but, you know, in the case of this, it's just all you have to do is have a graphic artist create the art for it and then put it into the app and there it is, right? And so it's just, that's the frustrating thing about it is that they seemed like they felt like they had to rush this to market so much that they didn't do anything that they needed to do on it. Um, Because aside from the icon and the launch screen for it, there's nothing wrestling related in the entire app. And yes, I know when you get on there, if you're playing uh, poker, um, occasionally you can be at the table with a AEW superstar playing. They literally have their superstars like Aubrey Edwards playing it sometimes, you know? Oh, that's, I get that, but she just do the, just do the minimal amount of work for this. That's all we're asking, right? It's just literally do the least that you can do to make this an AEW game. And for this yeah. to be the first release from AEW games, makes me very not confident in how good they're going to do on the rest of their games if this is what they put out for this one. Oh, but again, like, it's just because they just didn't care because they know they're, if anything, it lets you know that they're putting a lot more focus on the other game. That's how I at least Does it? I don't know. If you show up to work your first day, your very first day at work, and you do an absolute shit job, does your boss say, well, at least I know they're focused on doing their other parts of their job better. No, well, your boss said, hey, you did a shit job. I don't have confidence that you're going to do a better job the next day. Trust me, I've been fired from jobs for doing a shit job. Um, well, yeah, but that's like saying, okay, well, you've been hired to, uh, you know, be the HR of this uh, team. But for now, uh, we don't need an HR. The HR lady is only leaving and let's say... Uh, is only leaving in two two weeks so we'll just get you to just uh you know we'll we'll get you to take calls and talk to customers okay you know so so a couple things i will say from it right a uh if i was the boss at that i would still expect that hr person taking calls to be fucking rock star taking calls right because if we're gonna hire them to be our hr person they better know how to talk to people but b that's not even a good analogy because these people were hired to make video games and they failed at making a video game. That's the problem, right? I don't have a lot of faith in them making other video games when this one has nothing to do. Like they didn't even do the work on this one, right? Yeah, but this, this is like hiring someone to to be HR and them sucking at HR in their first day. But the argument is, well, tomorrow they have to do HR for the CEO. So it's okay that they were crappy on this one because they were just focusing on how good they're going to be tomorrow HRing for the CEO. I don't care what they're doing tomorrow. Their job was to put out an AEW game, and they didn't even put out an AEW game. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, and also keep in mind, they're going to get more backlash with the other ones. Because if you mess up a GM game or if you mess up the console game, uh, that has a lot more writing on it than this gambling casino game. Sure, they could have done maybe a little bit more, but I can guarantee you if you half-ass your wrestling console game or even your GM game, you're definitely going to be ridiculed to the fullest and therefore your AEW um, career of having video games is over. All the more reason you need to hit a a grand (laughs) slam with the first one to get the faith that your other one is going to be okay. But here's here's my biggest problem. It's not like they were on a deadline, right? Do you know anyone out there who is like, oh man, if they don't release that casino game this week, I'm going to riot. No one cared. Yes, we're, we're excited about the other games. We want those to be good. I get it, right? But you didn't have a deadline on this one. It was absolutely arbitrary that you decided you wanted to put it out this week. So why did you decide to put it out this week when it obviously wasn't ready yet? That's real. Like, if it hadn't come out this week, would you have been angry? I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I didn't think twice about it two weeks ago when there wasn't an AEW casino game. Uh, Three weeks ago, my life wasn't shitty because there wasn't an AEW casino game. If they had delayed this one more week or two more weeks or three more weeks, uh, it's not like they had announced a deadline for it. They only announced the day it was going to be available the day before it was available. No, technically, Kenny Omega did make an announcement. He said within like 60 days, there would have been uh, a game release. He said 60 to 90 days, number one. So he still had 30 more days. And number two, 60 to 90 days, but he says within, because I remember it, he said, I think it'll be ready within 60 to 90 days, I think, right? There were a lot of caveats on that. No one would have cared, period, if it had taken another week or two or three or four to come out with a game that at least was a full fucking game. Yeah. And I know, I feel like I'm getting all worked up about this, but it's, it's, you like to always put out the phrase one job on lots of things. The developers of this AEW casino game, which I'm going to be the first to say, this is not Ukes. This is not the people developing their fighting game, right? This is not Aubrey Edwards' team that's developing the uh, GM game. This is a separate team altogether, right? So it's not like the people who are doing this, this specific game, were so focused on something else that they couldn't do this, right? They just kind of like laid out what little they could do and said, here you go. And that just to me shows a lack of foresight and a lack of effort. And it's it's frustrating because they didn't need to do that, right? And all it all it would have taken is an extra day or two with the graphic arts department and you could have fixed this whole thing. And I wouldn't be saying this at all, but it just it doesn't give me a lot of faith in their attention to detail on other products when their attention to detail on this was so bad that they didn't even bother to make it an AEW game. Well, they changed the logo. Yeah, oh, yeah, they changed the the uh, icon and the and the splash screen. That's good enough, right? Yeah, yeah. See, we're on the same page. Good to hear. I'm less concerned with their game than I am with the women's wrestling, though. Um, as a whole, to to have a growing division 
that you have slowly but sure, surely uh, in your booking because it wasn't an exceptional division at first but slowly but surely in your booking you have pushed this division into into the back of the bus and I, and I don't want to make I'm not trying to, to make a comparison to a historical event that was very important but it is it, it, it's sexism in any way you, you cut that when you don't ever feature the women ever so they need a big match um, if, if there's one thing WWE does right now, right right now, it's the women's division. They do it exceptional. The one thing they do wrong in WWE's women's division is not continuing to do Evolution as a pay-per-view every year. It should be an annual pay-per-view. It's great. Yes, amen What's on the that. the best pay-per-view of 2019? In 2020, I understood not doing it. They had an excuse, COVID. I get it, fine. It wasn't a good excuse, but it was there. So I let them have it. This year, if Evolution is in the back, fans are probably going to boycott. <laughs> like, they're going to be pissed. We want Evolution back. Um, AEW's in that boat now. They, they have pigeonholed themselves into that bull boat where I'm not telling you... Here's, a, here's WWE's version of what AEW does. It was 205 Live. You have pigeon your, pigeonholed yourself into to these wrestlers don't matter and for a long time in 205 live we really had unentertaining wrestlers we had we had uh, uh, Pac while he was there but it was only one Pac there was only one the Brian what is it Brian oh, no, the Brian Kendrick the Brian Kendrick there's only one the Brian Kendrick there's only one um, Drake Maverick who carried that tournament God bless. I mean, Santos Escobar should be putting Drake Maverick on his shoulders because Santos Escobar's really good, but wasn't going to get any exposure without Drake Maverick. Um, and and there's only one Santos Escobar. I really look at that because they took the good wrestlers that were at, left in that tournament, Tazawa and Kushida, and they took Tazawa to be a jobber for the big guys, and they took Kushida and said, you're so good that you're going to be in the North American title, potentially future NXT champion title uh, picture. Um, and they shit all over 205 Live. Um by having, okay, well, we've got Nyla Rose, and she's really good, and we've got Britt Baker, and she's great on the mic. We've got Riho, she's pretty good in the mat, uh, in matches. Uh, she's believable when she when she pulls off the upset win over, like, a Nyla Rose. And then we've got a lot of others. Just, they need some refining and some exposure, and we're going to get them their exposure. And they messed it up, and so now they've buried it to the back of the card. You can't do it. you got to put it at the front of the card. You have to. You have to have it on the, your main television show or nobody's going to tune in for it. Um, the, the game thing, like I said, I, I, I give two rips about the game. Um, you're right. A lot of games out there that are issued by entertainment companies are just reskins of existing games. And yes, they probably should have been smart enough to reskin better. When, reskin at all. Yeah, once you're pl paying for the platform, you go, um, I'm paying for the platform. I'm going to pay the extra money for the reskin. And they didn't. So. By the way, I just lost 10,000 fake coins on a stupid slot machine on it. No. Oh, no. Yeah. If, if those were Bitcoins, also fake money, 
um, that's worth real money, though. Fake money that's worth real money. That ten thousand of those is a lot. That's a lot of real money. One of those is a lot of real money. Who what are you talking about? I think last time I checked, uh, a single Bitcoin was like worth fifty grand. Fifty thousand dollars. Yep, right now. One single one. There's a. Uh, there was a a uh, internet celebrity. This is totally off topic. Internet celebrity that I follow. Uh, she does does silly YouTube videos. Ali Spagnola. She does like music YouTube videos and stuff. Like ten years ago. Maybe it wasn't quite 10 years ago, but quite a few years ago, one of her fans on YouTube gifted her $50 at the time worth of Bitcoin. That's like that's like 10 years ago. That would have been like four Bitcoins. Uh, it, it was apparently less than one Bitcoin total, so it wasn't 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but it still, it, it ended up being like $30,000. She totally had forgotten about it, right? This person gave her $50 worth of Bitcoin. She totally forgot about it. And then she remembered it the other day. And she posted a video of her checking the balance on it and being like, holy. So she literally flew out to where that guy lived, tracked him down, flew out to where that guy lived and presented him with like a balloon and a thank you card personally. Because, well, you know, you effectively gave me $30,000. Yeah, I'd kind of be pissed. All I'm getting is a balloon and a thank you card. I just gave you $30,000. Yeah. If, if he's a fan of hers on OnlyFans, there should be a special video with him. Oh, Jesus. Did I go too far? I, 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 like I, I mean, to be far. fair, I was thinking the same. <laughs> That's another thing altogether. Let's see how long it takes me to lose another 10,000 fake coins. <laughs> this is a reason I don't go to casinos, by the way. How quickly you can crack through 10,000 fake coins on, on slot machines. You know, what I find funny is at, at real casinos in real life, over slot machines, the ones that pay out well, they'll have signs of what percentage they pay out. And it's usually like 97 or 95%. So if you put in a dollar, you're going to get 97 cents back. Come play. Most, <laughs> most slot machines are based on uh, reinvestment of winning, right? Because you're yep. chasing the jackpot. Um, I used to, years ago, uh, when slot machines were insert a quarter, pull the handle or press the button and everything, and and then put in a coin, not necessarily that. You can play nickel slots or whatever. I had a, a scheme that actually worked fairly well, which was take a certain amount of money, let's say $20, cash it into the coin for the machine that you do, say nickel slots, right? And uh, put in one nickel, play it. If you won anything, cash out, put your winnings in a separate container and don't touch and play through that $20. And if you do it that way, almost every time I came out by at least five to $10 up, right? Because I wasn't reinvesting my winnings. So I paid $20 and got $25 to $30. But I never got jackpots. I just got little winnings here and there. Uh, there are kept... known casinos in Las Vegas that they're obviously video uh, video poker or video um, slots, slots uh, have more um, adjustability to them. Mm-hmm. There are known casinos in Las Vegas that they pay the win rate. Um, but when they do, they pay it to people who are standing typically, 
because that gets them to sit down and once you sit down your money's theirs but but here's the deal is that's why almost every casino has moved to not individual coins but rather some sort of token um card right where you insert your card you load up money on your card and you insert it um or a printout of ticket you know what i mean but either way, you're not putting in one at a time. You're putting in a stack of them. And you're not cashing out one at a time. You're cashing out a stack. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Which makes it easier for you to just, like I did with this, hey, here's 10,000 fake coins. Just press auto spin um, and just watch it go until it either tells you you're out of all your money or you won a bunch. And that's it. Anyways, right. that's a total side effect on uh, side thing on this. Um like I said, I'm getting all heated about the game just because, to me, it's such a simple fucking thing that they could have done to well, reskin this. I it's mean, marketing, yeah. People are hunting down your product. Let's. You want to talk about another spot to feature under-featured wrestlers? There's mm-hmm. a place to feature them. Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal: is uh, I I was just playing uh, one of the slot machines on here that's called Barbarian Nudge, um, and I just was sitting here thinking. Why couldn't they have called that game Johnny Hungy and based it off entirely off of uh, 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 Johnny Silver, John Silver from The Dark Order, right? Just Johnny Hungy, slight reskin, gameplay exactly the same, no worries, you know, simple change. Uh, But no, they didn't do it. Yeah, I I think there needs to be a little bit of effort in that. And, And it's, again... Right now, they they're putting their effort on um, into the Impact crossover, the which is the world title picture as well, um, and the tag division. It's the best tag division in professional wrestling. It got better when they added Impact. Um, By the way, I just won nine thousand fake coins. So good job. You know, good job. Keeping you on the edge of your seats on my fake coin winning. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I'm I'm making a lot. If, to me, it's just because of how simple the, of a fix this would have been to have released this with actual AEW skin on it. There. But the real one is is this women's tournament. That's the real anger. Is this women's tournament that could have been a feature? I mean, at the very that that Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose match last week was phenomenal. That uh, Thunder Rosa versus uh, I think it was Layla Hirsch two weeks ago was great, right? They they put on great matches on Dynamite, uh, but they, they they put them at the end of the first hour in this kind of dead spot, and and that's it. They don't they didn't put two matches, just one, and it wasn't main event because oh. We got to ha- save the main event for Chris Jericho to come out in a tag match with MJF and beat up on goobers. <laughs> anyway. We will go ahead and move on from this because I feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about this. Um, and we will talk about misdemeanor. Now, my misdemeanor is going to kind of go into something I talked about before. So I'm going to give you guys a chance if you have any misdemeanors. <laughs> um, I. It's okay if you don't. I kind of have one, but it's just uh, maybe I'm just being nitpicky. Maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today or something. Um, but the whole. Like, what are they doing with uh, regional? What's with this whole thing? Why is he in this 
I guess maybe we'll find out. I guess it's maybe I have a case of being the impatient one with certain things. Um, I don't think I met Reginald, I think his name is, or whatever. Um, but I don't know what, why they're making him part of this storyline anymore. Now we know Banks is going to face um, Bel Air. I thought that promo was a bit weak, perhaps. Um, both women could have done better. Um, I just don't see the reasoning for why like I and I guess maybe it's, that's what they want is um, is he doing this to in behind uh, behind Carmela's back or is this a, a plan from him and Carmela to kind of sabotage the championship but they can't really do that because it's mania bound now so I just don't know what they're kind of doing with uh with in terms of when it comes to uh reggie there if you will and carmella in this banks Air storyline i just can't well, see the uh, light at the end of the tunnel for this uh if, if this it's any if it's any consolation uh from all reports um you're not the only one who doesn't know where things are going Oh. The reports that I was reading here is is as of right now, a lot of wrestlers are frustrated with WWE because they've issued an edict uh, that the wrestlers are not allowed to know what's happening until basically right before it happens because they're so worried about leaks. They're so worried about spoilers getting out. Um, for instance, Miz did not know that he was going to be cashing in and winning the championship until 20 minutes before that match on oh, oh. on Royal Rumble. It literally was like, and, and if you take a moment to realize, 20 minutes before that match was right when they filmed or when they aired the, the him talking to uh, MVP, right? So that means basically they came up to him and said, hey, we need you to record this thing of you talking to MVP. Well, why would I do that? Because you're going to cash in and you're going to win tonight based on his help. What? <laughs> so in um, retrospect, McIntyre didn't know either. Not until saying. basically right about then. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. That makes but, it kind of interesting, though, for the wrestlers. No? Well, yes and no. I mean, there's still performers that have to, you know, make a plan and and do a performance and if you don't get some preparation time it can affect your performance the fact that he did so well and mcintyre did so well is a testament to how good they are at their job but to bring it to what you were talking about reginald i'm sure he didn't know anything about what was going on until they came up to him half an hour beforehand and said here's what we want you to do tonight because they're so worried about spoilers getting out that um, but yeah, that's a good misdemeanor. Uh, any more misdemeanors? Yes. Okay. Um, Lana. <laughs> Not said? Um, no, I, she picked up a win on SmackDown. Um, one of the two of you will be happy for her partner picking up a win. Um, but she picked it up over Mandy Rose in a tag match that, you know, what, what are we doing? Like, why, why do we continue to... Is this just to piss off Rusev? I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't think they even understand. Uh, it, well, yeah, but they won a tag match against... Who, Nia and Baszler? No. Uh, Mandy Rose and... Uh, was it, Dana uh, Brooke? Yeah, I think maybe Dana Brooke. 
And and um, just quick update, I've lost all 10,000 fake coins. Oh no, what did you do? You got to play on the spot. Slot machines, that's all it is. Also, uh, the second one goes out to Mick Foley, and I know you guys are going, wait, wait, what? Yeah, Mick Foley, quit showing all of the matches on your social media that we did on your, uh, when we gave honor to you with Botch Along without giving us credit, bud. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> He's legit I mean, showing Botch Along matches? Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, I mean, uh, two days ago, it was the Flair, it was, uh, Flair's birthday, 72nd birthday was last week, and so, of course, that match was one he put on social media. Uh, tonight, it was, uh, Mick Foley versus, uh, uh, Triple H in Hell in a Cell, um, oh. Cactus Jack versus Triple H in Hell in a Cell. Now, granted, we didn't do that particular match, <laughs> nonetheless, we did do a match with Triple H. Listen, pal, get your own opponents, okay? We honored you with those matches. If, you, if you're going to do that, if you're just going to go listen to our botch longs and be like, yeah, that was a great match, I'm going to post that on social media. Be like, these fans reminded me that that was a great match. I'm going to post that on social media. I'm going to tell you right now, though, be prepared for him to post the uh, barbed wire exploding death match. Um, leading into Moxley and Omega's barbed wire exploding ring death match. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure somebody's going to lose an ear sometime in the next 12 months, and it'll be on the news, and I'll post that news, and then he'll be like, hey, look at my Vader patch. Jeez. Just, you know, if if you're just going to take the stuff that we did on your botch along, you know, maybe you want to lend us a little credit. So what he's basically saying, Mick, it's a bit rude. Okay. Yeah. It's a tad yeah. rude. We understand you wrestled in the matches. We understand we had nothing to do with the matches. We okay. will have had nothing to do with, with when Sid broke his leg, too, when we do that match. However, that said, we are reminding you, who probably has some memory issues with age and uh, and concussions and stuff like that, we're, we'll be your memory. Yeah, that was a dick move, wasn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Nick so Foley, uh, DA Vincent K. Fabe, now, at this point, <laughs> specifically speaking, only for himself, okay? Just <laughs> no, but, but no, seriously, I mean, uh, it's it's not serious. Um, but uh, seriously, go back and watch some, some Mick Foley matches because, God dang, they're good. But, you know, give yourself more than a week between bloody match and bloody match. Because you're going to need it. <laughs> uh, I got kind of sick after. <laughs> it's it's great, gruesome. It's it's great and gruesome, but, ah, oh, gee golly. It was a bit much. There was some. Ah, jeez. Ah, jeez, oh. don't you know. Okay, so for my misdemeanor, uh, the reason I wanted to go last on it is because I think it's going to be a little more in-depth than most misdemeanors are, is I am... Uh, going to send a misdemeanor out to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards for doing absolutely nothing to dispel the notion that they are pro-AEW slant. It's like they're like lean into it, you know. Uh, here is, yeah. I'm going to go through, through. I'm not going to go through necessarily all of them, but I'm going to talk about a bunch of them. And I'm going to do not just the winner, but the, the couple of the runner-ups, right? The Wrestler of the Year, the Luthez slash Ric Flair Award. Winner, John Moxley. Runner-up, Kenny Omega. Most Outstanding Wrestler. Winner, Kenny Omega. Runner-up, Kota Ibushi. Tag Team of the Year. 
Winner, Young Bucks. Runner-up, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Second runner-up, FTR. Best on interviews. This one I'm going to go a ways down because it's it's Eddie Kingston, winner. Number two, runner-up, John Moxley. Number three, MJF. Number four, Cody Rhodes. Number five, Chris Jericho. Number six, Taz. Number seven, Roman Reigns. First WWE person on that list. Promotion of the year. AEW, runner-up, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Third WWE. Third, though. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought they were going to say (laughs) ROH. Ring of Honor made it to number nine. Ring of Honor lost to Dragon Gates, Impact Wrestling, Pro Wrestling, Noah, Stardom, and UFC, which I'm still not sure why UFC is included on any of these lists, but Dana White is, is... on the list for promoter of the year didn't win but like okay whatever best weekly tv show aew dynamite number two wwe nxt number three being the elite number four aew dark number five wwe smackdown so so i also point out raw didn't make the top 10. oh wow okay uh nxt NXT UK all made the top 10 and not raw. But this is by fans, apparently. This is voted on by fans. However, as DFA mentioned earlier, these are fans who choose to give their money because they want to hear Dave Meltzer's opinion. So they already have a certain slant. But it's like, like if... (sighs) If you wanted to at least have the appearance of not being slanted towards AEW, you didn't do it here. Um, match of the year, Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks, which he gave six stars. So, I, you know, it makes sense there. Um, I, I'm surprised FTR isn't in that conversation with uh, the Young Bucks. I thought that was a phenomenal matchup. Um, FTR and the Young Bucks made it to number three. Mm, okay. uh, Okada versus Kota Ibushi from Wrestle Kingdom uh, was number two. Okada versus Naito from Wrestle Kingdom is uh, number four. The first WWE match that makes it onto that list is not on that list. There's no WWE match on Match of the Year list. Not a single one. Yeah. Well, I guess. Uh, uh, never mind. Excuse me. There was one NXT UK match. Io Dragunov versus Volter. Um, that's on that list. Uh, but anyways, uh, moving down, I'm skipping, skipping a few, you know, cause there's some like, uh, regional ones that are important, but women's MVP. This is the only one that I can say, uh, they did a fairly decent job of at least representing, um, WWE, but it makes sense because women, WWE's, uh, strong suit really. Right. So MVP for women is Bailey, right? Uh, makes sense. Uh, number three, Sasha Banks. Number four, Asuka. Number five, Sakara Shida, first AEW town. Number six, Io Shirai. So four Wait, of the NXT top six. took till number six? Agreed. Agreed. Number 10 is interesting because it was a three-way tie. Serena D, Britt Baker, and Hana Kimura which I, I don't want to take anything away from Hana Kimura because I, I know she was a talent and and uh, it was a tragedy and everything, but really think she would have made it on the list if she hadn't died. Wait, wait, I'm wait, not uh, sure. So there was only one NXT in the top 10? Yes, correct. 
It's the best women's division in all of professional wrestling. It might be the best yeah. division in all of professional wrestling. So, feud of the year. John Moxley versus Ome- uh, versus uh, Eddie Kingston got number one, which kind of surprised me, but that's so cool. Number two, Cody Rhodes versus Brody Lee. Number three, Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. Number four, John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. Number five, FTR versus Young Bucks. Number six, MJF versus Cody Rhodes. Number seven, Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks. Number eight, finally, was Jay, Rus- Jay Uso versus Roman Reigns. Oh, come on. And you're going to pick that one, though? Mm-hmm. Edge versus Orton was 10. Why isn't Drew McIntyre? And I'm really upset by people not giving... <laughs> Drew McIntyre his respect. This guy did a really great job being the champion, giving the circumstances that it was in. It's not his fault, though. And I truly believe that it's not him that is the issue of what went on with Raw and so on and so forth, the lowest ratings and all that jazz. Uh, I think, if anything, he made the Raw brand more credible because without him, without him it would have been a complete because i don't know if anyone because he he was the most decent thing coming out of raw for a good while i know we all got bored of his little coming out at the beginning all the time and so on but kudos to i'm really upset that he hasn't he's not even on any winning or runner-up portion of uh, what's going on but so pro aew for sure so um most charismatic MJF's the winner, Orange Cassidy number two. Also important to note, not a single WWE wrestler in the top ten. Um, in charismatic? In charismatic, yes. Okay. I don't get how the Miz isn't there, or like. Well, wait till you find out that who, the number ten is Ricky fucking Starks. <laughs> I like Ricky Starks. He's good, but more charismatic than anybody in WWE. Yes. According to the fans who voted on this. Finn Balor? Apparently. Johnny freaking Gargano? Apparently. Yeah. Adam Cole Bebe? Yes. Adam Cole Bebe? Yeah, according to this, indeed. Um, Best Technical Wrestler, the Brian Danielson Award. Zack Sabre Jr., uh, who wrestles for New Japan, won. Daniel Bryan came in second place in the award that's named after him, which is kind of funny for me. But anyways, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, number four. Timothy Thatcher, number five. So, you know, they showed up a little bit there. Bruiser Brody Award for Best Brawler. John Moxley, number one. Brody Lee's number three. Walter is the only one from any WWE uh, promotion that made it to the top eight. That's all they did on this one. Yeah, homeboy's a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, okay. Most bro, overrated. I already mentioned this earlier, but Bray Wyatt won for most overrated. Uh, King Corbin was number three. Nia Jax, number four. Braun Strowman, number five. Goldberg, number six. Cody Rhodes, number seven. Number eight. This is going to piss you guys off. Seth Rollins tied with The Miz for overrated, number eight. And Charlotte Flair, wow. number nine. I don't understand yes, so, now. Like, I, I don't think I've ever taken it seriously, but I mean, this list is just beyond. Is it generally the go-to list that everyone is all like, oh my God, we need to... This is the same list that does the top 500 wrestlers, so that's another list. That's Pro Wrestling Insider that does top 500, which is... Um. The- kind of a bigger list, but it's still voted on, sort of. Mm. Uh, most underrated. 
This one, most of these I think you'll agree with. One of them I know DFA won't, but... Um, number one, oh, Rick Riddle. Number two, Chad Gable. Number three, Riddle. Number four, Hive with Mustafa Ali and Cesaro. Uh, number five, Keith Lee. Um, and it goes on from there. Rookie of the Year. Oh, fuck. Just take a guess, because this one's kind of actually fun. Oh, what, what, is, what do they mean by rookie? Like, new to a program, new to a company, new to professional wrestling? Uh, new to a widespread audience. Okay. Um, it's probably male, which would be incorrect. I feel like it's Orange Cassidy. I feel like it's Ricardo Sheeta, but Orange Cassidy is probably the best name to put on there. Um, I, w- I, I think both of those technically aren't on this list because they would have been on the 2019 list. Okay. Um, EO? EO would be on the 2020. No, not on this list. Oof. Otis? God, no, that's before that. Thank God. Ricky Starks? Uh, Ricky Starks is not on this, uh, not on the top 10, but he might have been on the, the overall ballot. I'm not sure. You're going to be surprised with number one. Not not surprised in a bad way, though. I think we, we all were surprised by them. Um, in a oh, game. MSK. No, um, but that's a that's a good one. I think they probably will be on next year's list because they didn't make it early enough in in 2020. Nope. Number one, Pat McAfee. Oh come on! <laughs> As rookie of the year, I mean, he was his match with Cole was great, but he he was he was by far the most impressive absolute rookie, and that's maybe what it comes out because. Almost all of the other ones on here are people who trained in wrestling but were indies and then finally came to the, the, the main sort of a thing. He was the only one off this list that was like, I'm not a fucking wrestler, but I'm going to fucking do it. Right. Um, well, number two, have... Anna Jane from okay, AEW give, Anna Jane. I'll give, I'll give him that. Um, number four is going to piss us all off. Owner of the slowest 619 in the world, Dominic oh Mysterio. My God. That's just do that. No one in their right mind would vote for that. Come on. Oh, so this is this is uh, this is rookie of the year for 2027 when he finally is a wrestler. <laughs> um Jeez. Best television announcer. Oh I saw this. They gave it to Excalibur. They did give it to Excalibur. Which I'm okay with. Boy. Number two, it's, Kevin Kelly. It's tough tomorrow was around for a lot of last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't even money. make it to the top ten on this. So, uh, Excalibur number one, Kevin Kelly from Ring of Honor number two, Tony That's Schiavone crap. number three. That's crap. Nothing against Schiavone lovers. He's just not number three if Excalibur's number one. See, and I I would have put him higher myself. That's me. No, I'm Jim just Ross- saying if you can't have both of them be one and three. <laughs> well, like apparently you can't. Carry the team. Uh, and Jim Jim Ross number four. What? Yeah. Yeah, Jim Ross is definitely not number four. I Jim I Ross- will say, I feel Jim Ross has lost a step in terms of his commentary. Uh, I feel he makes a lot of mistakes just based on old age, like referring to uh, Kenny Omega as the WWE champion. <laughs> nope. um, but I don't know. Wade Barrett made it to number seven. He's solid. Okay. He's good. Yeah. So. Probably should have been lower on the list. Maybe number four. I'd be down with three even. Now, the uh, funnier no. one is 
worst television announcer. Michael Cole. Numero uno, Michael Cole. And he's not, sadly. It's not. It's Todd, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips Tom is Phillips far is worse. number seven. Tom Phillips is far worse than Michael Cole. I find Tom Phillips is kind of like a Michael Cole. Yeah. Here's the problem. You kind of hate him. Have you ever seen um, the movie Multiplicity? I can honestly say I It's a Michael Keaton movie, and he makes clones of himself. And they, they imply that cloning people or cloning living animals. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Yeah. Tom Phillips is like the fourth that. clone of, of Michael Cole. I'm just going to leave it at that. He cut my pippy, Steve. <laughs> that one. <laughs> um... So Michael Cole number one. Who do you think number two? On worst, oh, they're probably gonna say Graves. But I think Graves is a great heel announcer. So indeed, it is Graves. You are two for two. Oh, wow. Number three <laughs> on worst television announcer. Probably Beth Phoenix. Uh, uh, who are your choices? Beth. Indeed, Beth Phoenix is number three. Uh, and that's only because the bias on this. Yeah, that's why I say this is not doing anything to to waylay the the concept of them having bites. Now here here's one that's going to be interesting. Number four, worst television announcer. Jr. Worst television announcer. You are right. Jim Ross is number four on both best and worst television announcer. <laughs> that cracks me up. Hilarious. Anyway, uh, best major wrestling show. So by this they mean AEW, obviously. Well, they they mean not the the weekly TV, one of their either pay per views or network specials, right? Oh, Revolution last year. AEW Revolution number one. Yeah, followed uh, by WrestleMania. Yeah, not n- number two Wrestle Kingdom. Number three, uh, G one Climax. <laughs> number four. This one gets in a technicality because it is still a weekly episode of the show but it's AEW Dynamite Brody Lee tribute show. Oh, okay. Because it's a special. Because it wasn't just a regular episode. Number five, AEW Double or Nothing. Number six, AEW Full Gear. Number seven, New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. They compared by that night? Okay. Number eight, WWE Royal Rumble 2020. Wow. Number nine, NXT TakeOver Portland. They rated Royal Rumble 2020 above TakeOver Portland. TakeOver Portland's widely recognized as the best pay-per-view of last year for WWE. Apparently not according to these fuckers. (laughs) And they have both of them over WrestleMania, which kind of revamped all of professional wrestling in terms of the cinematic match. Oh, well, you are going to be angry at worst res- major wrestling show then, aren't you? Jesus. Whoa. Now, number SummerSlam 2020. No, SummerSlam did not make the top eight. Wow. Money in the Bank certainly did. Money in the Bank? Oh, no- yeah. Extreme Rules certainly did. Money in the Bank was uh, bad. in terms of the top eight. You're going to be angry when you hear what number one is. Oh, wait, no. Uh, Extreme Rules was number two. Excuse me. I, I was reading it and I said the horror show. At Extreme Rules. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Extreme Rules is number two, but number one is gonna. What? I mean, it's Super Showdown. Well, of course. It is. Of course, yeah. it's the worst. <laughs> uh, but no, this is why I'm gonna tell you you're gonna be angry. <laughs> WrestleMania 36 Part Two was number three on the worst wrestling shows list, and Part One was number seven on the worst wrestling. Why? List. 
part one ended exceptionally with that cinematic match. And it was all women. It was great. It was all women in that in that match. And the one match. It was fantastic. It was the closest thing we got to Evolution last year. Yeah. And it was a good match. Oh, wow. They're saying night one is the seventh worst? Jesus. And night two is the third worst. Uh AEW All Out they said was fifth worst. Which it was it was the worst of the AEW <laughs> So, um, yeah, but I mean, here's the deal. They take a lot of stuff into, into consideration here on these. And I'm sorry, but you're going to tell me that WrestleMania, either of those two WrestleMania nights were in the worst when you have, when you have Scott Steiner come back on, on NWA, on an NWA pay-per-view. Sorry, I had the hiccups there, but Scott Steiner came back on an NWA pay-per-view. Oh, I'm so glad. Let me say it one more time. Scott Steiner came back on an NWA pay-per-view to help. So glad I missed that. They missed so, um, we're going to move on to most disgusting promotional tactic. Ooh, I, I think you can... I, I don't want to... Pandemic? Number one, firing a bunch of people during a pandemic. <laughs> For sure. Now I this think... is this is one I am going to tell you right now of the top nine, uh, seven of them are WWE, <coughs> um, and they deserve almost every one of them. I believe, maybe everyone. So. I will say, I don't think AEW's intention was this way, but. They did monetize Brody Lee's death. And if that's not on there. It is not. AEW is on there with number five, continuing the Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara match. Um, after. I don't agree with that. And, and again, I'm not saying that that was their intent. And I think intent has a long lot to do. A lot to do the, with that category. The only thing with the, the Brody Lee that I will point out is... 100% of the proceeds His family's paid for life. went to the family. Um, so, um, number one, though, WWE firing everyone during a pandemic. Number two, WWE operating without COVID testing. Number three, WWE banning talent from third-party opportunities. Number four, WWE running in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> we already said number five, AEW continuing Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Number six, Rey Mysterio losing an eye. Yeah, that was a horrible storyline. God, I I had forgotten it. Thanks for this fucking story. Uh, first one, more so than the firing of the pandemic. <laughs> uh, number seven, Dana White for attempting to run a UFC show on a Native American reservation to get around COVID restrictions. Number eight. He's a shameless fuck, and we know it. We've known it for years, though. It's... His level of shameless fuck is, is the kind you laugh at, not the kind you, you um, get repulsed by with Vince. Uh, you're still repulsed by Dana White, but it's just, it, it's, oh, that's Dana White being Dana White. So number uh, eight was a tie. WWE continuing to employ wrestles, wrestlers with sexual misconduct allegations. Um whereas other companies cut wrote, cut ties with them. And Bushi Road's handling of the death of Hanakamura. Bushi Road, of course, is uh, the owner of Stardom and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they were kind of accused of, of uh, sweeping it under the rug and all of that stuff. Number nine, WWE turning Drake Maverick firing into a storyline. 
Uh, Agreed. That's fair. Yep. So and it's fair that it's that low on the list. I just think there's other spots that could be <laughs> worst television show. Raw. Correct. Raw. He, here's where I'm. I am going to point out on this thing that this this is probably the biggest um, example of why they're guilty of not uh, battling the AEW bias idea. Number one. WWE Raw, number two, Impact Wrestling, number three, SmackDown, number four, Ring of Honor, number five, a tie between 205 Live and NX fucking T. What? What do you mean? What? It doesn't, it, that doesn't work. NXT is not one of the worst. It's, it's... Even in the, the conversation. Yeah. I mean, these guys are taking into account ROH's weekly programming. They're taking into account um, AAA's weekly programming, which is good, but it's not an XT good. You know what and I'm saying? Like, compared to 205, like... Yeah, that's high for 205 Live. And yes, 205 Live for two-thirds of the year was crap. 205, 205 Live was just inconsequential what it is yes it, it should be it should be a youtube show so uh worst match of the year we already mentioned braun Strowman versus the fiend number one goldberg versus the fiend number two matt hardy versus sammy guevara number three which makes sense edge versus randy orton from wrestlemania uh i i would say that was the only downside to wrestlemania so yeah ray wyatt versus john cena from wrestlemania what number five it's the best cinematic match of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> um, we talked worst feud of the year. I'm just going to say only two feuds on here on the top 10 or top nine, I guess, are AEW. One of them is Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, and one of them is Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy, which I disagree with on that. But that's beside yeah. the point. Uh, Greatest wrestling match of all time isn't isn't on that list. Uh, that the, Edge Orton's worse than the than the WrestleMania. Edge well, Orton. this is worst worst feud, worst match feud. of the year. Um, nope, Edge versus Randy Orton, greatest match of the of all time, is not on that list. Um, worst promotion of the year, WWE. <laughs> of course, Best, are they including NXT in with it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know for certain. I'm gonna assume yes, but I don't know. Yeah. Impact's number two, Ring of Honor number three, MLW number four, New Japan Pro number five, which makes no fucking sense either, but that's whatever. Uh Best Booker, Tony Khan number one. <laughs> Triple H makes it on number six. Promoter of the year. Tony Khan. Tony Khan number one. <clears throat> Vince McMahon makes it at number six, but Dana White makes it number two. <laughs> Okay. Still don't know why UFC's counted into this at all. Not sure at all, but... So, um, best gimmick. Best gimmick? Yes. Oh, it's probably Mox. Uh, Moxley is not on the top ten. Kenny Omega. Omega is number six. Young Bucks? Not on the top ten. Fiend? It's not Fiend if they just said that he's one of the worst. <laughs> Fiend is number eight on best gimmicks, as well as number one on worst gimmicks. It makes no fucking sense. I guess you love him or you hate him. It's like Jim Ross. <laughs> Whatever. All right, can we go on to accommodations? Because this is just crap. This we're we're going to get through. Best gimmick, this... Orange Cassidy, number one. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Brody Lee, number two. Roman Reigns, number three, which I think we'll agree with his heel turn uh, did... It's a good gimmick. I don't know if it's a if it's the third best. Um, Adam Page number four, Darby Allen number five, 
Kenny Omega number six, MJF number seven, The Fiend number eight, Eddie Kingston nine, Dark Order ten. Uh, worst gimmick, of course, we mentioned The Fiend, Retribution number two, Alexa Bliss, Fiend number three, Seth what? Rollins. Uh, yeah. Monday Seth Night Messiah is pretty bad. Yeah, I'll give Seth you Rollins, that. Monday Night Messiah number four. Uh, although you're going to get angry when you hear who number six on worst gimmick is. Adam Cole, baby. No, a Mr. Dexter Loomis. Wow. Oh my gosh. Dude still hasn't talked. It has been almost a year. Dude still hasn't talked. It's fantastic. It's what Goldberg should have been. <laughs> yep. So that that's the end of talking about that, because there were a bunch that I skipped. It's not worth us even talking about some of them. Uh, but it just, if they even wanted to, to like make the argument we're not AEW marks. They failed on that. Um, that 100% had an AEW slant. And I'm an AEW mark, right? I'm a admitted AEW mark here. And I cannot... Well, I can that. almost guarantee Impact skyrocketed to the ratings this year on that list. I, I would agree. Because they're partnered with AEW. Yep. So, so we will move on to commendation. Now, I've got a few commendations, um, and so I'll just go through mine really quickly here. Number one, AEW, uh, despite my charges of how they mishandled the tournament itself, um, the tournament gets a commendation because it was fucking good uh, so far, right? Um, it showcased great talent. Uh, hopefully some of them get signed to the roster because I'll be really happy to see that uh, if they do. Um, number two commendation. Uh, I have a commendation for Shinsuke Nakamura uh, for for knowing how to keep the internet absolutely ablaze with speculation and rumors. Uh if they're not talking about you, they're not thinking about you. He sent out a tweet after SmackDown aimed at Apollo because they're feuding that you started something that I will finish at Apollo. And someone tweeted at him, replied to it. Stop wasting your talent at WWE. And a person responded. He's happy. He gets to surf and work a safer style. Yeah, it'd be great to see him go all out again somewhere. So, but that's not what he wants. And he replies, who said I'm happy? Don't believe anything other than what I've said. <laughs> so now the rumor sites are just buzzing with, oh, oh Shinsuke Nakamura's unhappy in WWE. He's going to leave at some point. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is that is top tier A1 grade internet trolling right there, if you ask me. Um, so, so I give him a commendation for that. And then an extra shout out to Moxley for retaining the IWGP US title over Kenta when most of us, myself included, thought it was a foregone conclusion that you were going to lose. I just thought, this is how they put the belt back into someone who's working full-time in New Japan. That's how they do it, right? Yeah. Nope. Nope. Mox is still the US title. (laughs) And, I mean, I guess also at the same time, too, I feel like they didn't really use Kenta a lot as much as they could have to promote it to promote that match sure they did the whole him showing up randomly like that that was good but then the two weeks after that i feel like they didn't really use him much i feel like there there was probably some backstage negotiation that went into that i do also think that this feud's not necessarily over um 
I think I think there will be more to come from it. But so you but think I just, we're going to see him in AE Dubs? Possibly. Um, here's why: none of the other uh, New Japan talent can fly to America. The only reason Kenta was put in this situation is because he lives in America. So he's wrestling on their New Japan Strong, which is their American show that plays on. I don't know, some fucking channel. Um, and and so he was already over here so they could do this with him. John Moxley can't fly over to Japan right now because of COVID. So I thought this was how they put it on someone with New Japan and then they start defending it on New Japan Strong and all that. That still might be the case, but maybe they felt like it needed more buildup before that. So a few more show-ups at AEW, maybe even showing up in the barbed wire exploding death match to assist Kenny Omega in winning. I don't know. Who knows? But I, it's worth giving a shout-out because they swerved us well. Yeah. Nope. That's valid. But those are my commendations. What do you guys got? Uh, I give a commendation to Seth Rollins for holding on to the microphone <laughs> during the Cesaro swing. Um, I also give a commendation <laughs> to WWE for pushing Cesaro during that, yeah, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and my last one goes out to Impact Wrestling for using their social media to say everybody's been here <laughs> because they are constantly playing matches. Oh yeah. People who are in AEW and they've done this for a year and a half who are in AEW WWE super super duper legends. Um they just basically tell the whole world, no no seriously, we're important. Look at our social media. Now, Sammy Callahan, not really Kurt Angle. But he's there now, and Kurt Angle's not. So, I mean, I would do the same thing too, though. If I had all these superstars come to my federation, though, and then leave and bounce, and now they're really known at other spots, and sure, it might downplay, oh, look, they couldn't do anything on your end. But I think ever since once they lost AJ, they just kept that thing going. Hey, yeah, but AJ was here first. Hey, look, you know, uh, Ric Flair came to do a match with us and did a, one of his best matches uh, in the last 20 years on Impact with us. We've had these people, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, it's it's content they could use because they have it. So why not? And if it sure. gets an eye to be like, you know, hey, oh, I didn't realize he was ever in Impact. Let me go check his stuff out. I'd probably do it uh, just as much, if not a heck of a lot more to say, Oh, so John Moxley still kept that title? Guess what? John Moxley was on Impact in 2003. It was a younger John Moxley. Da, 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 da. Because they can't. I mean, in All fairness, stars. Yeah, sorry. In, in fairness, um, I I know for a fact there are uh, Patriots fans who are celebrating right now because Tom Brady won a Super Bowl even though he won it with not their team. Because by association, Tom Brady winning means our team was really, really good. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense in a sure. weird way. Sure. <laughs> uh, I see what you're doing there. But, I mean, not the same. Not the same. Well, I mean, I kind of get it too. Because the thing is, if Brady constantly switched teams and was only with the Patriots for, I don't know, a year or two years, the fact that Brady only was in the Patriots and he was there for like 20 years... I'd, I'd, you know, I'd celebrate too because 
Brady was sculpted and made through the Patriots, and he was there for that long. Sure, he's, uh, he's a phenomenal talent. It's obviously all his doing, but still, he was with the team for 20 years. So a lot of Patriots fans, and I feel I would be like that too. Well, we made them. We made him who he was. He was with our. He was with us. He started with us. We sculpted him to being the goat that he is. So I don't think that's a fair comparison. And no, it's a perfect comparison actually, because that's essentially Impact's story about it too. We made them who they were, or look where they started off from. Oh, but Brady won us another. How did he win his seventh Super Bowl ring? Well, he won his first six uh, uh, at the Patriots. Watches younger games is when he started. This is where he has developed and so on. And that's just showing you, hey, I guess it's also a negative uh, connotation too, though. Because then it's like, okay, so if you're already big, you don't stay in impact. So I see what you mean there. But I still use the shit out of it because we're like, hey, we mold stars into who they are today. You know, I like I see both sides to it. I've given impact crap for it before, so I'm not going to try to deny that I've given them crap for it. Uh, But at the same point, I understand it. You know, if if you had AJ Styles during during his earlier years and you recognized him as a star and then he left to go to WWE and became the huge star that he is now, um, there's a certain amount of pride in saying, hey, we believed in him from the beginning. Um, however, at the same time, there are a lot of times when you turn on Impact, you know, you go to your Facebook and every post from Impact is, oh, you like this wrestler? Well, he wrestled for us 12 years ago. Um, oh, you like Roderick Strong? Well, here's a match with Roderick Strong versus Rockstar Spud. That's <laughs> legit. Anyways, but I agree. So, but but I do condemn him or co- commend, wow. Boy, that, that word changes quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a uh, big commend, Yes, it is. Commend them for, you know, play your content. Oh, okay. Come watch us. Come watch us. Look at our library. That's <laughs> so. So there's a lot of interesting thing going on in um, with uh, NWA right now. Because apparently all of their uh, YouTube channel disappeared uh, really yeah and so there's question as to whether or not um he is going or whether or not nwa is going to still be around or not so uh so that's going to be something that's gonna we're gonna have to keep an eye on over the next couple weeks to see if there still is an nwa or not um of course as soon as that happened there were people who said oh that's because AEW is buying them and then the insiders had to come out and be like, AEW is not buying NWA. Um, so, but yeah, something's happening. We don't know what, but something. But I don't even get why they would do any of that without making the announcement first. Unless they want to just create rumblings and it was nothing. And Well, it was just, uh... if, if it was indicative of something, it was an early mistake. It was they planned on scheduling their YouTube channel to disappear and instead accidentally click disappear. You know what I mean? Uh, or it could have been entirely accidental or it could have been a hacker or a disgruntled employee or who knows what. But the fact that they've been absolutely mum on it all day is um, 
at least somewhat frustrating. But that's all the commendations I have. Any more commendations from anyone else? Nope. Then let's bring this to a close, this marathon episode of the Wrestling Booking Unit. Um, I always like to remind people to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Just click the like button or the share button or the subscribe button and click them all. Uh, to make sure you get the word out on this. Follow us on Twitter and any other social media. You can follow me at Raw and Order WBU. You can follow DA Fabe at I'm scared to say because Mick Foley might go after me, but as you should. D Vincent K Fabe. And JLB is at JLB420. Real Talk Radio is the brand at Real Talk Radio 8. Anchor.fm slash RTR. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You, of course, can check. There's going to be a link tree in the doobly-doos that's going to give you links to our Patreon, patreon.com slash rawandorderwbu, or our merch store, shop.spreadshirt.com slash rawandorderwbu, uh, where you can support us in those ways and help make sure this podcast stays around for many, many, many moons. But on that note... Uh, Thanks for listening. We will see you soon. I like lots of moons. Mm